everyone, and welcome to episode 429 of the MTG Goldfish Podcast. I'm Seth, probably better known as Seth Fred Olive, and we have this small crew here this week. Krim on his way back from uh, Command Fest Richmond, I believe. So he's probably up in the air right now. So it's just me and the owner of MTG Goldfish this week, Richard. How are you doing today, Richard? Good morning, Seth. Excited to talk about our topic today yeah we (laughs) we have a fun (laughs) we have a we have a fun topic for today so we're trying to think of like what we want to talk about there wasn't a ton of like big news in magic everyone's doing command fest and pre-releasing march of the machines they had early access day but it doesn't actually come out until tomorrow so we figured next week we'll talk about you know new cards and experiences with that so we're trying to find a topic and we've had one that we've been discussing for a while and it just haven't found the right time but we're going to get to today and that is cards that used to be good most specifically in modern modern has underwent a huge upheaval over the last few years with modern horizons really powerful standard sets and there's a pretty big list of cards i would consider like iconic and former staples that just don't really show up like they used to so we want to talk about some i thought we were doing the history of john i you sent me the spreadsheet and I, I put mean, it all my there were so many I mean, Judd cards. I thought we were doing the history of Judd. What is this? It's it's honestly the same thing, right? Like cards that used to be good, history of Judd. <laughs> same same thing really, but yeah. But yeah, I'm curious. Uh, we're going to talk about this, but I'm really curious why some of these cards that used to be among the most played in the modern format really just don't show up anymore. So that's our big topic for today. Also want to mention a little bit about serialized cards. There was a, a little bit of controversy surrounding some Raghavans, uh, serialized Raghavans. So we want to mention that. And then we're going to talk a bunch of uh, cards that used to be good in modern. Before we get into it, though, if you have some cards that used to be good in modern and you don't need them anymore, we've got a great solution for you because our show today is brought to you by Card Conduit. And Card Conduit's the easiest way to sell your magic cards. If you're tired all the hassles that go into buy listing, Card Conduit lets you skip them with their curated service and send in as many cards as you want with a buy list value of a dollar or more and pay just a 5% service fee. And if you want to do a little work, you can use this sorted service where you list and sort your cards in advance and pay just a 2% fee. And no matter which one you choose, you're going to get a detailed report with your results in a fast payment once your order is processed. And you even get another 10% off by heading over to cardconduit.com slash Goldfish. Card Conduit, they're the easiest way to sell your your magic cards. So before we get into cards that used to be good in modern, Richard, there's a, a bit of a hubbub this week about serialized cards, specifically serialized Ragavad. What is what is the news with these serialized cards? All right. So apparently SCG opened serialized Ragavad. I think it was one, right? Like one of I think it was one of one, yeah. yeah. Or one of five hundred, yeah. And uh I don't know, people got upset. Uh so so there are some people in the camp of SCG is like in bed with Watsi and they got preferential treatment in which, you know, they were given like the valuable serialized cards. Uh, that one, I don't know, it's, a, it's kind of a hot take, but a lot of people were on that bandwagon. And then the other, the other take is like, it removes the thrill of opening packs because you now know that Raghavan 1 of 500 is off the table. Uh, and then people are like, well, what did you expect, right? If stores open like 95% of packs, all the stores are going to open the things. It's not a scam. But also like all the highly collectible cards are going to end up in the the, the hands of, of store owners, right? And not not just store owners, not your, your local LGS probably isn't getting it, right? It's probably these like huge like, you know, SCG 
uh, huge eBay sellers, huge you know online sellers like Card Kingdom stuff like that, where they open like cases and cases of product, they they will most likely get these serialized cards. Uh, so so knowing that, are serialized cards still exciting and worth it? Uh, I mean, but like. Uh, don't it uh, doesn't that apply to whatever like Frexy Nellish Norn or any other fancy card that's going to come in booster bat like whoever opens the most boosters is going to have the greatest chance of getting the really good ones like is isn't that just like how boosters work and have always yes, worked like now you know <laughs> <laughs> but now you know you can't open Ragavan anymore right there, I, there, I, there's always that hope that you open that pack and you get one of 500. I guess you could still go for 500 of 500 or 69 of 500 or, you know, whatever the hot number is, right? 420. But you know what's off the table. Like, like if if the four most desirable Ragavans are displayed on the SCG Twitter, are you still happy to, to open collector boosters? If you know the chase cards are gone and, like, if you know the Powerball lottery winner has been pre-decided and at most you can win, like, a hundred bucks or something from the lottery, would you still be entering? Like, I, I mean, think that there is some merit to that argument that the, the thrill is kind of gone, right? I mean, I, I think it applies more to the one ring, in my opinion. Like, yes. so, yes, one of one or one of 500 Ragavan, the number one is probably the most value, valuable or one of the most valuable. So, yes, the single highest value card is going to be gone. But there's still 499 other Ragavans and a bunch of other serialized cards that are worth a thousand dollars, a few thousand dollars. So there's still a lot of hits. I've heard speculation about the Lord of the Rings set. That we're going to see uh, booster prices right now are really high, but that booster prices are going to stay high until someone opens the one of one, the one ring. And then we're going to see the price crater on booster packs. So I think there's some truth to it, although I would say it's it's more of a concern with a literal one of one card. Like if someone cracks a one of one one ring on release weekend, I think you're going to see like. A lot of hype for opening packs of that set die. The 101 Ragavan, because it's one of 500, or number one Ragavan, because it's one of 500, that, I don't think it's actually that big of a deal. All right, let's talk business strategy, Seth. Say you're SCG, <laughs> and you open the one ring. Do you post on Twitter that you open the one ring, nope. and you're taking bids and whatever, you try to sell it, or... <laughs> Do you seal it away in the SCG vault and pretend nothing happened and keep merely selling your collector boosters? What, what do you what do you think actually happens here? I I think the correct thing to do from SCG's perspective or whoever, you know, big vendor that opens that perspective would be to wait. Like there was even some of the offers that came out for the one ring with people offering like 100K on the condition that you don't tell anyone that you opened it. <laughs> like some of the offers that are standing for it are already like that. So I would say that wouldn't the most value be to like wait another month or something like eventually you're going to be able to hype the one ring and sell it for a ton of money. But wouldn't it be better to sell a bunch more collector boosters for people chasing? Oh, <laughs> like, so I don't know slimy, if that's, Seth. I don't know if that's like, ethical, like I, I know but... <laughs> everyone's just acting in their best interest. But can you imagine everyone just opening packs with the hopes of the one ring while all the time like. Morrow has it in his suitcase because he went to pre-release and opened it. <laughs> and he's just hiding it from the rest of the world. Like, isn't that... Oh, that, that feels a little wrong, it's, right? If someone just is just hiding it and, you know, yeah. I don't know, everyone's getting their hopes up for the One Ring. And everyone's like, oh, no, the One Ring is lost. And I'm sure we'll start, like, some kind of Kickstarter to try to raise money to find the One Ring or something. Like, I'm sure people will get upset if after a while the One Ring is not found. <laughs> 
Yeah, no, it does. It does kind of feel scummy. Although I would say, like, yeah, it does feel scummy. Although the odds of opening are so low, like from a statistical perspective, it's like, (laughs) I don't know. Do you? Does it? At least the lottery has the respect to be like, look, there's a winner. (laughs) You know, you know, the lottery's over. What if the lottery was over like six months ago, but everyone keeps buying tickets, right? Like that's. I mean, that's that's a real concern, even discounting someone trying to manipulate the market that way, like yeah. someone opening it and hiding it. There's a chance someone cracks it in a, you know, a fat pack that they bought at Walmart and they have no they can't read it and they throw it away or they stick it in, you know, their their rubber band wrapped pile of magic cards. that's their collection and they just don't know that it's a, you know, a hundred thousand dollar card or whatever. So. That could happen accidentally too, right? Isn't there some percent I mean, chance it, that like it's, it's like winning the lottery, right? Like you don't it, really want to broadcast to the world that you're now in possession of this. Yeah, I don't know what like three hundred thousand dollars, like whatever, right? Like it's literally one yeah. in the world. You don't want people to know that. What if like someone knows you and they jump you in the parking lot, right? Or you know the, the classic, uh, your friends and family come and ask for a little loan. Like I, I got this cool <laughs> spec. On this upcoming mythic rare, you know, just just give me a thousand, I'll give you two thousand back next week. You just open the one ring, you can do it, right? Like, so usually yeah. it's in your best interest to keep quiet about it, right? Or try to sell uh-huh. it anonymously or something. I, I don't know. It's oh, uh, so I, I don't like about the one ring. It just brings all this weirdness to the game. I mean, isn't that kind of flavorful though? From the little bit I know about Lord of the Rings, isn't is Army living out the the novel sort of? <laughs> I mean, I, I think if everyone starts a Kickstarter to find the one ring, and then the, the one person that has it slowly becomes more corrupt over time. Oh <laughs> uh, well, yeah. There's it'll be interesting. These serialized cards are so new that I think we're just figuring out all the ramifications and the upsides and the downsides. I know if I open it, it would be it would be on my Twitter right away. Okay, Hopefully, okay, it'll be on a video. But okay, list like the top five biggest card vendors. They, they meet in a shady room in Vegas, okay? Like Card Kingdom TCG player, <laughs> you know, SCG. And they're like, we all chip in like $100,000, buy the one ring, we make a trip to Mordor, and then destroy it and tell nobody. <laughs> and then we will keep selling collector boosters keep selling until the boxes. end of time, right? Like, uh. like, if we track the price history of Sealed product, you have to imagine that once the one ring is revealed like the the product will drop or do we think everyone is actually sane about this and says you know the chance of opening is very low it has actually very little impact to box ev like don't (laughs) worry about it or do you think we'll see the price nosedive as soon as the one ring is revealed I mean, I don't think it's going to go from whatever, 300 a box to 150 a box or something, but I do think it'll it'll slow down. I think there will be some people that just want want the thrill of it. Like it is like buying a lottery ticket and some people really like that experience. So I do think that it could definitely have an impact on the prices of the boxes. I also wonder, like, do you think Wizards will put it in the first print run intentionally to get it out there? Because I think Wizards has some control over that. Remember, like, original Zendikar oh, with the oh, whatever they were called? No. They were only in the first print run. And then if you bought, like, a box that was printed six months later in the second or third print run, it, you didn't have a chance of getting those cards. So it do you think they'll intentionally... Right? I would the, assume, the like, how do you else do you control guaranteed. it? Right. So I assume it would have to be in the first print run, which means... 
in theory, someone should open it fairly quickly, I guess, if the set sells well. what if Scummy well. put it in the third print run? And, like, <laughs> everyone who bought the, <laughs> the boxes early actually have zero chance of getting... We need the, like... We need the gambling commission or something. Yeah. <laughs> you know how they, uh, yeah. they audit like slot machines and stuff to make yeah. sure they're fair sure and like, you yeah. know, nothing, nothing. Although <laughs> I don't even believe that because after watching Seth Place slot machines, they're a big scam anyway. But we need someone to make sure there's actually a one ring here. What if there's no one ring? Or what if there's I mean, a misprint? What if they put two one rings in? What, what would that do? No. I mean, do you think they have a pile of one rings that they're going to make a video of them shredding to prove that they are in the wild? Like the the two, one of two or two of one one ring? Like zzz, I can see them the screwing it up and like adding like the one ring sheet into like marching machine or something. And then you're like, wait a minute. <laughs> They've done it before. Yeah. Uh, the worst case is if a Watsi employee opens it. Because even though like. Oh, the conspiracy theories would just go so wild. Like, the appearance would be bad. Like, similar to where we started with this, with the SCG thing, like, people don't like the experience, uh, the uh, the perception of, like, this big vendor being the one that gets the most valuable card in the set. That would be twice as bad, five times as bad, if it's, like, Mero or some Watsy employee who just, like, goes to pre-release and cracks a booster and gets it. No one is going to let them live that down. So hopefully, <laughs> you hopefully know how they that doesn't happen. You crack a pack on the Watsy street? It'd be funny. <laughs> Yeah, like, yeah. Oh, that's crack attack. Oh, the one ring. Oh, what a coincidence. Yeah. yeah, Gavin opens it in a short on his YouTube channel before the set even releases, just cracking cracking some packs. <laughs> uh anyway, let us know what you think about all the, the one ring drama. But I would say mathematically, SCG opens way more packs than anyone realizes. And if you open a lot of packs, you're gonna open the the good cards at some point. So and I think that's actually, oh boy, we're going way too deep in this, but I think it's gotten worse. I saw someone posting some finance stats about serialized cards that they make up about 20% of the value of a, like the EV of a collector booster. So that's a big chunk of value that's being dedicated to cards that you're not gonna open very consistently. So I think for the average person, cracking collector boosters has gotten less valuable because any average collector booster, even box, you're not likely to get one of these serialized cards, but it's fine for the big vendors because they're gonna hit them eventually. If you open, you know, uh, 10,000 boxes, the, it's going to even out in the end. So so I almost think it's made box opening worse for players. But then on the other hand, it hopefully will keep making the base cards cheaper for players. So maybe that's a worthy trade-off. But This sounds so bad because right now, <laughs> remember at Vegas, we were actually trying to research how slot machines, like the EV or something, is like... <laughs> it's actually supposed to be pretty close to break even, but, like, I just watched Seth, like, lose so much money. Like, how, you know, yeah. and then we had to, like, actually delve into the math and figure it out, but... Yeah. This sounds yeah. like it. Like, like, the EV would be positive, but the variance is so high, like, everyone loses money, and then one person wins, like, 10 million. Uh, and then the, I mean, the EV that's... averages out. That's kind of serialized cards, right? Or the lottery or slot machines or yeah. any <laughs> any form of gambling for that reason. But anyway, that's serialized cards. Let's talk. I'm really interested in this topic. So let's let's delve deep into cards that used to be good in modern. And uh, we're not just going to be reading off a list of these cards. I'm actually curious. I want to know why. Why have these cards fallen so far from their peak? So modern's like... A decade old now, I think. Uh, roughly a decade old. And let's start with with a big one, Richard. This is a card. So as I was researching for this episode, 
There's a cool little trick at mtggoldfish.com. You can go to uh, to the card page and see popular cards and staples for any format. So I went to that for modern and then I stuck it in the Wayback Machine. So you can go all the way back to like 2013 and see like the most played creatures in modern in 2014 or 2015 with the help of the Wayback Machine. Snapcaster Mage. You don't see it at all anymore. It is completely gone. But if you go back from like 2014 to 2017, this was one of the top 10 and often the number one most played creature in the entire format. It was a true, true staple of the format. Richard, what happened to Snapcaster? I don't know. (laughs) I don't know what happened to Snapcaster. But I, I think it's something to do with card redundancy is super high. And also a 2-1 body does literally nothing nowadays. Uh, so there, there was a time where, uh, I'm sure Krim could tell you this, but snap caster beats were a real thing. Like you you yeah. can grind someone down and just kill them with snap caster mages. Uh, that is laughably not effective today. And then also snap caster lets you reuse your best cards. But as, as Yorion showed us, like our card pool is so deep now that you don't actually need to do that. For the price of two mana, you just play all the good cards and just play them on curve and call it a day. Uh, Splinter Twin dying probably has something to do with this year. Uh, Splinter Twin was a very popular home for this. I don't know. Ponder being banned at some point probably mattered because you you snap serum visions nowadays or you snap Reman. Like Reman's also on our list of cards that we don't play anymore. Like there's just no... And I think like, uh, so then you also other other considerations I would say would be like, and I guess this applies to all them, but just like general power creep in the sense that like there's just way more options now. Some of the decks that in the past would want Snapcaster. Now you have uh, Dragon Rage Channeler and Ledger Shredder and all these cards that are also in the conversation. Uh, you have stuff like, is it Murktide? Seems like one of the most obvious styles of decks, like the, the control tempo-y spell heavy deck. But then you have stuff like Murktide itself that's taxing your graveyard. So like you're using your graveyard in other ways and trying to exile it rather than leave cards there. And then the other home where Snapcaster was really good was like just straight blue-white control decks. That's where you had the, uh, like this Snapcaster beat plan. And in those decks, I wonder, do you think that Companions sort of killed it as well? Because a lot of those decks... Our Kahira decks is the trade-off like I would rather have Kahira as a free extra card in my companion zone than have access to to Snapcaster in my control deck. No, I think those decks got rid of Snapcaster. <laughs> They're just like, we'll just throw a Kahira for free, right? I I don't think that's yeah. the trade-off that was being made. I think I think the two one just doesn't cut it. You're paying two mana for this. Like it, it, like you don't modern's so much more efficient now that you're paying two extra mana for no reason. The, the two one yeah. really doesn't make it. You're- like, I mean, the, there's other cards here that I guess we didn't, it's not on the list, but Cryptic Command. You remember the good old yep. Cryptic Command Snapcaster loops? Like, these things are oh. not playable. Like, the, the Snapcaster support cards are not playable anymore. And the, the graveyard taxing is a real thing. Uh, so, yeah. I, do you, so I, do you think Snapcaster will ever return? Like, is there a world where Snapcaster comes back? Is this just a, a temporary metagame shift or is, is this card just needs, it's, needs some Modern Horizons 3 power creep? You know, it needs to make a treasure it, on ETBs or something. <laughs> it's It's been a while now. It's not like this is a new thing. Snapcaster, I think it probably peaked in like 2016, 2017. So we're talking like five years ago now. 
I don't think it's coming back, sadly. Like, it's not that it's a bad card. Like, if you're playing a deck with a lot of spells, you could throw Snapcaster in it, and it's, I don't think, going to embarrass you. But I don't think we're ever going back to the good old days. I was actually, like, for a completely unrelated debate about Deathrite Shaman and whether it should be unbanned in modern, I went back and I looked at, right before Deathrite was banned, which was February 2014, I was looking at the metagame and the decks that existed then, and... They're so quaint. Like, Jeskai Control was one of the three most played decks. And it's like Snapcaster Mage, Electrolyze, Think Twice, Sphinx's <laughs> Revelation, Johnny Vengeant, Gideon Jura. It's like, yeah, this is like cards you wouldn't see playing standard today, barely. And these were like modern staples. So I think the format's just past Snapcaster by. So I don't have high hopes. Like, in modern today, your turn three, you're like Snapcaster, flashback might consider or something. Your opponent's like make two four four rhinos or living end you or primeval tiny. Like <laughs> it just it just doesn't it doesn't match up to the power level of the format, I don't think. I, I can see Snapcaster making a comeback if they print a broken one man is I lied, no. So like let's say <laughs> like Veil of Summer or whatever, right? Like if it's like so powerful that you're like, okay. I play it on one and then I, I snapcaster it back on three. And it's so much like if Raghavan was a spell, right? If it, it, it was so much above curve compared to everything else, you would play this like subpar card just to get more of it, to get basically eight of that card. But I don't think okay. Wizards would print something so ridiculously broken <laughs> that you feel the need to snapcaster it back. So like and then if, would you if cast get... like mission briefing or something at that point? Like there's some other stuff that does snapcaster things, right? Would you just use that? I don't know. I mean, I think Snapcaster's the best Snapcaster still. I don't think it's been surpassed by, like, Mission Briefing. Does it Surveil right 2 if... or something? What is that? I don't even know what it does. I think it does Surveil 2, <laughs> and then you can Snapcaster. Though? It is instant speed. Well, maybe maybe it's better. It what but, is this 2-1 body going to do? <laughs> like, if they, put, if they put Ancestral Recall, like, if they literally got rid of the reserve list and put that in Modern, then sure, Snapcaster could probably do something. But barring barring something like that, I would be surprised. So Richard, what's what's next on our cards that used to be good list? Give us give us your first pick. All right, Path to Exile. I want to say I've always thought Path to Exile was bad, <laughs> <laughs> but now it's like super confirmed. Uh, who used to play this? Fable, Every White Control, um, like everyone. If you go back to this, was like. 2014, 2015, Lightning Bolt, Path to Exile, two of the top, like, three Thought Seas. Those were, like, the top three spells played well, across the, the format. What were the white decks back then? Like, some kind of, like, green-white pod-type deck? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you'd have you'd have pod-type uh, type decks. You'd have the control decks, like Jeskai yeah. Control, Blue-White Control. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, Hate Bears and Taxes were Hate still, Bears, like, a deck at that point. Um, Mardu decks. Yeah, lingering souls. I mean, basically, decks, which is another meme. Uh, oh yeah, they, they would play. Oh, I miss lingering Exile. souls. Basically, if you had white mana, you were playing zoo decks. Played it. Geistersine trap decks used to play it. Like soul sisters. Oh, yeah, zoo, zoo used to play like that. That was like a real deck. I mean, the soul sisters really think, count. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was it was better at some points back when you could like spectral procession with a straight face and like gain three life off of your soul sisters. Look out, metagame. Um, I mean, so. Path was always bad, right? Like, I don't know if we realize. I don't know if I realized it at the time, but when you I look at it now, it's pretty clear that like Path always 
kind of sucked, but we just didn't have other good removal options. So you played it anyway, because you're just like, what else am I going to do? But now that we have March of Otherworldly, like Prismatic Ending, Solitude, Leyline Binding, like this huge list of spells that don't give your opponent a land. I mean, I think no Fatal Push Bath is what did it in. So Fatal yeah. Push was the the other one mana removal spell that was actually very easy easily except you just play black like you don't have to yeah have a five color mana base like uh, leyline binding uh but and then Path, unholy Path had its purpose right like you, you gave the land but if you were playing blue white control you're like whatever like you know if, I, if you're not killing me instantly like i give you the land and then my end game is so much more powerful or like burn could play path to exile because they're like take the land i'm just gonna burn you out anyway it's fine um with our kind of grindy <laughs> mid-range modern now like the land like that's just like a death sentence here <laughs> like, like you give someone an extra land like that's 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 really bad right now yeah that's that's what i was gonna say it's probably worse now than it was then right like rampant growth in your opponent i think is probably more painful in the current meta than it was in the the 2015 meta everything is just like so sped up compared to where it used to be a while ago that giving your opponent like especially if you have to use it early uh, like ragamon for example is one of those cards where you have to really kill it on turn one or it's going to snowball but if you path to ragamon on turn one then you're kind of doing half of ragamon <laughs> anyway yeah like yeah. so <laughs> so it just doesn't work out uh, in the end but I mean, I'm glad we had better options. There was a while where we were complaining about, like, where's the good removal? Where's Do the we? good removal? I, I, Maybe I it's went this, too I far feel now. on but... this list, we have a lot of, like, vanilla creatures or just, like, creatures that are meant to be beaters that are now extinct because everything dies to Doomblade, which is, like, Fatal Push or Leyline Binding or Unholy Heat, the, the greatest, like, travesty of them all. <laughs> Like, I, your creatures need to be super, like, super OP to overcome that one-mana removal spell, right? Do you think it's the removal spell that has that impact? Or do you think it's the speed and power of, like, the combo and pseudo-combo decks in the format? Like, is... You know, let's go Let's go to your best friend, Tarmogoyf, which still <laughs> shows up a little bit, but isn't where it used to be. Is Tarmogoyf bad now because it gets killed too much? Or is it bad now because... Uh, you're facing down two crashing footfall rhinos on turn three or a huge hammer time creature on turn three or primeval titan on turn three like do you think it's the removal killing it or is it just metagame shifts and overall like speed of the format that's a problem both so so there was a time where you know so maybe if you play another creature deck right you might have troubles like they play murktide but even if i play a totally unfair deck Tarmogoyf does nothing because they just they just snap off a one mana fatal push or something or a leyline binding and they're good to go right they, they traded up in mana i didn't deal enough damage and that was that so it's not just like it's being power crept by creatures like i can't get through it's like mana inefficient <laughs> right and then it also doesn't kill people fast enough before winning by turn four or five was like acceptable like you could like hit them with a couple Tarmogoyfs. Uh, now that's not acceptable like people are much faster than you so i think it's both. I, but i think like the the reason murktide exists is because removal is so efficient like wizards power crept creatures because removal got more efficient and then once the creatures got so power crept they're like oh my god we got to get some more removal here <laughs> and then they power creep the removal again and what happens is old creatures just will never see the light of day ever again tarmogoyf grows with every set 
if there's a battle deck in modern, watch out because you know Tarmogoyf is slowly creeping up. Tarmogoyf used to be a four-five standard. Right now, it's like six-seven. Uh, so it's like slowly getting there. It might eventually be a Murktide one day, uh, but it's I mean, slowly getting there. If you can get it to the point where it consistently dodges unholy heat, that would actually be kind of relevant like if you actually are regularly getting it to seven toughness i think the removal is definitely part of it like i think that's another huge shift if you look at old modern decks compared to new modern decks there was a ton of removal like jund in the good old days of 2014 they played a million removal spells but they're playing like maelstrom pulse in abrupt decay in losing your tarmogoyf to a two or three mana removal spell that's kind of fine like efficiency wise like you're breaking even maybe even trading up in mana if your opponent has to spend a maelstrom pulse on it but now pretty much every deck is gonna have a one mana way either can just ignore tarmogoyf because they're gonna combo or they have a, a fatal push or unholy he uh one mana way to deal with it so i think that's definitely definitely hurt it and we've seen like more and more of the format focus on one drops like Ragavans, Dragon Rage Channelers, uh, Giver of Runes. Like, uh, be, I think in part because of that, if your one drop trades with the removal, you're kind of okay with that, but it makes it much harder to play two and three drops that die to that same removal spell just because the tempo lost there. No one plays any like real three drops as a, like a creature because the if someone trades with one mana, it's like disgusting. You play like utility two drops, like Ledger Shredder and stuff like that, because you just hope they like actually just win the game and like one mana down is not too bad. But yeah, like, ugh. I'm, imagine you play like Grave Titan or something, they unholy eat it. <laughs> <laughs> You're oh, okay, you got so, two zombies, right? <laughs> that's so brutal. Oh, all right. I, I, I got to ask you about this one, Richard. You put this one on the list with a question mark, which is Blood Moon. So. This one, I'm not sure, like, is uh, is Blood Moon worse than it used to be? I would say yes, but is it bad? I don't know. I don't know if I would consider it bad. People still do play it, and it serves a purpose, but as a Blood Moon aficionado, I would say the big issue here is it's just way easier to kill. Biseju is probably the, the deal breaker there, but there's so many ways, and this is really interesting. I think part of it also ties to like wizards wanting to make flexible cards for best of one play. So there's a lot of cards that just like accidentally are good cards that have blow up an enchantment, like sort of stapled onto that. So I think that flexibility that we see with cards like Biseju and these uh, like best of one design cards, I think it really does hurt Blood Moon. It still does something unique, though, and there's still times where Blood Moon is your savior and does come down and, like, it's not going to hardlock your opponent like it used to in the mono-red prison days, but it can buy you enough time that if you have a clock, maybe you can slow your opponent down well enough. So what do you think? Is, is Blood Moon just straight up bad now? Like you said, there is some purpose to it, but I think it's significantly worse than what it used to be. Um, so you mentioned... People like having incidental removal and Bostaju. Uh, you know, there's things like Abrupt Decay was printed at some point that, that also dealt with this. But Renin 6 is a big deal. Uh, the the Renin 6 allows oh. you to just fetch out your basics like very easily. Mm -hmm. uh, so you can play around this. Abundant Growth, which I guess is a metagame call because that thing's been around forever. Like, <laughs> like there, there was a time before Leyline Binding where... You would not bring in Blood Moon against the five color deck because you're like, it does nothing. And you're like, how, how is this right? That seems absolutely incorrect, right? But 
with abundant growth and renin six, like you, like Omnath Dex didn't care about this, but with leyline binding, suddenly this mattered again. <laughs> so like it, it kind of came in fashion again, but it's just a lot worse. Remember the good old days where you just play Bubu uh, and you win the game? Like yeah, doesn't those, happen. Right? Those this days. is like disruption. Like you get like one or two more turns to do something if you're lucky. Uh, but the fact that combo decks and stuff don't need to play any, they're just like, I have greed in my deck. I have Poseidon. you. I don't actually need to do anything against Blood Moon. I'm protected against Blood Moon already. I just fetch smartly and then I'm good to go. Uh, kind of ruined free win red, I guess. Right? It's no oh, longer free. It you got to sweat out the wins now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if it even is a win in the end. Yeah, the, but the, yes, free win red is super dead. I think it's really interesting. In some ways, Blood Moon has gotten more important. I think that one of the reasons people still play it is like Urza Saga came around and Blood Moon's like a really clean answer to Urza Saga, one of the best cards in the format. But at the same time, it has just gotten so much more temporary and so much worse. It's almost like it's almost like a, a, a sorcery now or something that like d does its Blood Moon thing for a couple of turns, whether or not that actually is enough. But yeah, the, the days of Blood Moon being a win con where you just slam this and like watch your opponent cry and then scoop 10 turns later when they can't actually do anything. Those days are like sadly super, super, super long gone. Speaking of uh, land destruction. What about Fulminator Mage, Richard? That was one that I kind of forgot how heavily played this card was when I was going back through the Wayback Machine stuff. This was a top 10 creature, like, for a couple of years. I think it... <laughs> Do you remember the good old days where, like, Tron was, like, super good? Yeah. So you'd try to, like, Fulminator Mage them and then surg Surgical Extraction the Tron land and, like, haha, you're never casting that card. <laughs> oh. uh, yeah, so Tron <laughs> needed to be good. Um, Field of Ruin... <laughs> Also did this in so yeah. having a two-two creature is irrelevant. Like this used to be your win. You're like, I play this, and if I don't have a land to blow up, I just beat them down, <laughs> and then yeah, yeah. And then there was the dream of recurring this, uh, so you can play this, <laughs> recur it with like Liliana Lost Hope or or whatever. And, and yeah, Colgan's command. Colgan's command. Yeah. So there there are ways to abuse this, but this was dependent on Tron being good, and also Tron not killing you immediately <laughs> uh so you had to be on the play to get this done and then on the draw you would hope whatever comes down doesn't murder you yes this, this is never coming back right like we it, we have no. field of ruin we have what do we have for i think the the other really big one was i think cleansing wildfire that uh is like only two mana plus people using on their own land sometimes yeah. so i think we've gotten better options even besage you like like you said, play draw is really huge against Tron if you're trying to interact with a three drop. Same with Blood Moon. Like, you're into the same problem with Blood Moon. Like, the, the Karn can already be on the battlefield by the time you can resolve a Blood Moon if you're on the draw. So now we just have many more two mana options that are going to be fast enough. Plus, Tron isn't exactly what it's used to be. And also, like, I think you lose some value in non-Tron matchups when sometimes you would just bring it in against, like a random mid-ranger control deck and like i'm gonna get your creature lands and i'm gonna slow you down but with ren and six running around like that plan has gotten so oh, much worse because so many of those decks lands. are just yeah they're remember, just gonna get those it, we used to be dominated by celestial colonnades and oh uh, yeah that targets. was a real threat that was a real threat that, that was yeah. the finisher right uh we also have yep. what's the one mana alpine moon alpine we moon. have assassin's mm -hmm. trophy which also gets rid of the Boseju. so you have a lot of land hate you can play but it was really for Colonnade, <laughs> yeah. right? Like that that was like one of the big ones that people oh, don't yeah. play anymore. 
the colonnade plus snapcaster that was like the control win con of 2015 those were those were the threats that were gonna get you speaking of tron we just have tron period on our list of cards that used to be good even though it's not technically a card what do you think the problem with tron is these days so in defense of tron if you've gone to metagame page it's still there as like a third tier archetype so it's not that it's like completely disappeared but it used to be a solid top tier archetype for years and years tron was always one of the one of those decks that was always good always near the top of the meta what happened to tron is the format just like too fast is it all the new land destruction we're talking about if blood moon is bad and fulminator is bad shouldn't tron be good because those are the cards that hate on tron like what do you think happened to the big mana deck i don't know what happened to Tron. like <laughs> all the decks are fair mid-rangey decks kind of now right and then some fast combo decks but they're all kind of grindy isn't this where tron should shine like why does tron suck yeah that's so my theory is that more decks do things on turn three now than they used to like in a turn four world a turn three karn's pretty good in a turn three world where everyone's trying to do their big thing on turn three it's less impressive I guess I, I don't know. This one actually, actually you, right? Like, what is Rhinos? They, they're like, here's two Rhinos. You're like Card Ulamog. Like you're dead, right? So it, it's got to be yeah. they just besage you for fun, and then that's it. <laughs> like you, you can't get anything done. Or yeah, like I think that's just counters your one thing and like smacks you twice, and you're dead. Or maybe Ragavan. Maybe you don't have room for turn one interaction, so uh... Ragavan <laughs> just runs you over. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Ragamon. You're like chromatic spear. You're like, cool, treasure, treasure, treasure. <laughs> I have more mana than you. You're dead. Like, I, I don't yeah. know. Ragamon casts your, yeah, your Karn. <laughs> they just steal it and cast it. Yeah, that is, I mean, it's got to be, I bet, a combination of those things. Like, we were just talking about better two mana land hate. So now the hope of your opponent not being able to interact in time is much less likely to be realized so better land hate faster meta no early interaction which definitely leaves you susceptible to getting run over uh by a ragavan or threats like that so maybe if you add all those small things together that's what just knocked tron down a, a bunch of tears in the meta what does our kind of cruelty actually say does it make you sack a planeswalker <laughs> what, what does it actually <laughs> It makes you sack I, I, a says, creature, right? It kills Ulamog, if that's your only thing, right? But does it kill it says, card? Uh, creature or Planeswalker, so it does. Yeah, yeah, okay, it, if yeah you, that, yeah, that, that probably, probably hurts as well. Help you at all? <laughs> probably more Planeswalker removal as well. We have like just straight up Planeswalker removal. So even if you resolve a card, you're like, cool, take my thing, I remove it. Ooh, wow. Okay, so I I got another one. Since we're talking about decks that have disappeared, what about Storm? Like, do you remember the the glory days of Storm where that was, like, Finkel at Pro Tours, like, always top-aiding? Like, uh, that was a real deck. We have Goblin Electromancer specifically on the list. But really, that is highlighting the Storm archetype. That, and that one is really dead. Like, Tron might be struggling around at Tier 3, but showing up on occasion. I haven't played against a, a traditional Storm deck in, like, a year or something. And you would think, like, it's a is it, uh, it's a relatively fast combo deck. It can win on turn three. Like, it should be able to keep up your opponent rhinos, and you're just like, haha, whatever, combo off Stormia. Like, what's the what's the storm problem? My favorite post on Reddit of all time <laughs> was like this post where they're like, I fixed storm. 
And it's like this like huge document of like 20 steps. And like each step, they make like a one card substitution that like makes total sense. Like, oh, you know, we play serum visions instead of this and blah, blah, blah. And they're just slowly building, is it Murktide? And like every, <laughs> like every substitution made a lot of, if you're just reading it, you're like, oh yeah, this is like very good, right? You're like, oh yeah, this makes sense. But it's like a troll post. So you end up in, is it Murktide? Um, the problem is you got to land Electromancer. And I think that's very difficult. And yeah, there's it's probably more efficient to win with other stuff. Like there's a lot of stuff that needs to go right for Storm to win. Uh, like you could do that, or you could just like creativity and win. Like I, I don't know, right? Like <laughs> do you need to set up all these pieces? Uh, there's there's risk, right? Like you need your graveyard active most yeah. of the time. You need to untap typically with an Electromancer or Baral, which that also circles back around to our conversation about way more removal. Like the, there's a lot more one mana removal seeing play. So the odds of it living is going to be a lot less. Uh, yeah, I think it's just hard mode. Like you can definitely still combo off, but why combo off if you can get, you know, a, a more or less free win with a 8-8 Murktide coming down early or, you know, putting a bunch of uh, Archons into play with creativity. So Do you I think, think that must be the reason. So we, we don't have any pure combo decks anymore. Like the, the glass can't, like most of our combo decks can grind you out. Like Yawgmoth or like creativity or or they play like Teferi, I guess. But most of them like don't just go all in and just win and hope you don't have it. Is it because of force of negation and other stuff like that where they actually have to be able to fight through counter magic, like free free removal, one mana removal. Yeah. I think I think that is a that is a big part of it. Like uh, force of negation is especially good against decks that need to resolve one specific sorcery and like passing flames is very susceptible to just getting got by <laughs> getting got by a, a force so yeah i think that is uh, a big part of it like I, I think the value storm doesn't win anymore if you just do some stuff and like make eight <laughs> goblins <laughs> like I, I don't think you can no. get there i think they'll just like fly in with like two murktide hits and you're done right so yeah, yeah i think you gotta you gotta <laughs> go all in oh uh, okay here's here's an interesting one richard wild nakadal Wild Nakadal at one point literally banned in modern. It was too good. They let it off the ban list. It came back and it's a one mana three three. It's a one mana three three on turn two in the decks that would play it. It did see a lot of play in zoo style decks when it came back. Is a one mana three three just not enough anymore? Like, is that the issue? Like, we live in a world where Ragavan, Dragon Rage Channeler, Giver of Runes, Esper Sentinel, like all of our one drops are doing all these things. Is just being big not enough? It's not big enough. It's like literally the same size so, as Dragon Rage Chandler. So what? It doesn't fly nor fill your graveyard. Um, so, I mean, if you're going to go so, here, what about Steplinks? Like, I don't know. These are like Curdy. Oh. These are boomer creatures, Seth. Like a uh, one mana 3 3 is laughable. <laughs> I, I gotta I gotta it, find it dies to red in six too because you can't fetch up the, like, you might not be able to fetch up the right stuff before the red in six untaps or like oh, the, the red six player plays their two lands but uh oh that I, I wish I wonder if I can find a zoo list from that era it has to be so boomery like Curdabe, Stevlings, Nagatos yeah and I guess like I guess it's also just not that fast anymore. Like, uh, the idea of Zoo is like, oh, I'm going to have this super fast clock by Steplinks, two fetch lands, it's a 4-5. Like, 
but that's not even really that fast, is it? Compared to Hammer Times and some of the things that we have going on now. So it's not even well, like your opponent that. plays Ledger Shredder in a bobble and they're like, cool, like walk. <laughs> <laughs> like, like they don't got to do anything, right? <laughs> so how big do you think you'd have to be? Like vanilla one drop to see playing modern. It four, is four, five. I don't think well, it's happening anytime soon. But like, if you're like a one man of five five, maybe you get you see play. You might have a chance. Something. Okay. Wow. But what is Power Goblin Guide? Wild. The Goblin Guide's not on this list. Is Burn <laughs> kind of viable? I mean, Burn. So Burn is still Burn is still chugging along. Uh, I believe Goblin Guide is still good enough to make the cut in burn. I think it's Goblin Guide and Swift Spear, typically, are the two creatures that actually make the cut. So I guess, the yeah, Coddle. Goblin so Guide's I mean, still Is the Coddle that much worse than Goblin Guide? I mean, Goblin Guide has haste. But it does <laughs> give your four opponent lands. Wait, don't we have a one man of 4-4? Four, four? No, right? Not a pure one, I don't think. There's, like, Vexing Devil and some, like, Punishery-style cards, but... Yeah, I don't think we just have like a straight domain, up one mana Domain four, four. Zoo, I think, would be the modern zoo. And you have two mana 4-4s, four, like the, the Scion, but you need three lands to get that done. And then you have the, the two mana 4-4 four, four that, like... Looks... Yeah, deck has... Yeah, like, Territory of Kavu. So you actually yeah. have two, like, massive two drops. I guess, occasionally, that deck's actually not as good as I thought it would be. Like, when they printed that stuff, I thought, wow, that's gonna be, that's gonna be really strong. I, that is the one place where you do occasionally still see Nicodle. It usually shows up in that deck, like alongside Ragavan in the one drop slot. But that deck's not even not even a top tier deck, even with all those new additions. So I guess uh, while Nicodle, it's not that it's like completely gone, but it's definitely a lot worse than it used to be. Speaking, okay, I got this one, Richard Eldrazi. Not the big Eldrazi. People still Emrakul or whatever, you know, do those shenanigans, but. What about, like, Thought Not Seer, Reality Smasher? And I know, I know, I know. We had the banning. We had Eldrazi winner. But even after that, like, Eldrazi were a legit deck. Like, you're using Eldrazi Temple, casting your Thought Knots and Reality Smashers. It's a mid-range archetype. It's got good creatures. It can kind of grind. Why don't we see Eldrazi anymore? This is, like, a decent Tier 2 deck, right? Eldrazi Tron? Uh, not really because yeah. Eldrazi, but because of Chalice. <laughs> Like it, it's a chalice deck, and then you play these dirtles. I guess is it just like a yeah? So Eldrazi Tron is still like a a tier two deck that you see on occasion. Is it? That it the it's just too creatures? slow and fair to like actually keep up with the the top the top decks. So the, I guess the, like, the problem is all Burktide. Right, because you're yeah, like three I, mana five five. I'm like, cool, two mana eight eight flyer. <laughs> right, like, like that. That's kind of the the problem. Same with when Death Shadow was prevalent. You're like, whatever. I'm like, I cast two twelve twelves. <laughs> Here you go. Right, like that's kind of the problem. You can't attack through anymore. Um, and yeah, I mean, even here kind of sucks too. Like. We'll talk about it shortly, but I think Thoughtseize sucks in 2023. Ooh. So like that that power kind of goes down. Oh, okay. Let's let's not talk about that shortly. Let's talk about that right now because that one to me that's still a hot take. Thoughtseize really? sucking. What is what is your what is your justification of that? What's your thinking? There's nothing to Thoughtseize. <laughs> like this this already started happening in like 2017 or something where you look at your hand, their opponent's hand and you're like I can't beat any of these cards. <laughs> What do I take? I don't know, right? Like, what, what might I use one mana to life? 
Uh, so like you, you look at an Omnath deck and they're like, Omnath, Renin 6, you know, let's say they have Risen Reaper. Like, what are you taking? They're all like equally gross. You need to take them all. There's no perfect like one card to take. And that's not even counting things like you thought sees footfalls where you're like, you have eight cyclers. Great. Like your, your win con isn't even here, right? So I can't even take anything. So I, I think Thassi's been bad for a while. There's so much redundancy that it's not worth it. Like it used to be that Dex relied on like one win con and had a bunch of filler cards. So you would you would rip that one thing. But now like every spell like will get you. So it's not even worth the one mana, two life. And really the the, the killer is the bad top decks later on, right? Like you, you can yeah. deal with like the little temple loss, right? But you also eating the fact that you're going to top deck this later when you actually need a card. Uh, but there's nothing to take. Like, what do you take? I Everything think, kills I you. mean, that, <laughs> that is, that is a good point that decks, <laughs> decks don't really have bad cards anymore. We're no longer in the think twice era where people are just playing bad filler cards because there's not enough good cards. I think it's also, so if you look at it, uh, as far as actual percentages, it was back in like 2015, one of the top three spells, Bolt Path, Thoughtseize, uh, definitely top five pretty consistently. Today, it is the 22nd, I think, or 21st most played non-creature spells. So again, not like it's gone, but that's a pretty huge fall from grace compared to where it used to be. So I think part of it is what you said, Richard, like decks are just so good that Thoughtseize uh, you're not able to just take that key card and your opponent's deck kind of crumbles anymore. Decks are too, uh, too resilient for that. I think also part of it might be that there's just so much, so much virtual card advantage built into decks now where you have like all these ledger shredders, you have all these Ren and Sixes, stuff that isn't technically like draw a card, but stuff that is yeah, seasoned Pyromancer that's generating card advantage or refilling your hand that the idea that you're going to like, keep your opponent from doing anything with this card just it doesn't work like it used to in the past you could like remember the days of like him him i win or like you double thought see someone and they got nothing going on like we see that now with even the 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 scam decks like there's times when your opponent triple griefs you by the time you get to your second turn and you're like okay like whatever it's only a, only a three two i can deal with this and you go on to like win the game so i think that's part of it too decks are just not only are they uh, have better cards overall the overall card quality is higher they also just have so many ways to generate card advantage that, yeah, maybe, maybe you're right. Maybe the, the idea of the forcing mix. people to play off the top of their deck. Like, I think most people prefer that, <laughs> right? <laughs> so, like, and then you I, are also doing that, but you have thought seasons in your deck. So, which, like, is really bad. Also, Crim's favorite card, Veil of Summer. Uh, no, just like yep. nixes, like, any chance of this being good. <laughs> like, let's say you actually found a matchup where thought seize is valuable. And then they veil us over you and the game is over. <laughs> That's like a one mana cryptic command at that point, right? So, so that also kind of didn't thought seize. Um, so if you take Jun out for a spin, do you literally not run discard in it now? I mean, you you run it because you need to fill the, <laughs> the thing for Tarmogoyf, but you're not happy <laughs> about this. You feel right? it and feels you, bad. You will, not, you okay. will side it out. And then you're like, what is the point of my deck? Because I don't even have enough sorceries in my deck. Like, Tarmogoyf is like a 3-4 now. It's... The, the reason Jun sucks is, like, every card in Jun, like, actually sucks. 
it's not like there's one or two bad cards that could like be propped up by the good cards. It's like the whole mess is like ineffective, right? Like, let's play off the top of my deck. You're gonna cast like Omnath into like Risen Reef into like eight million cards. I'm gonna cast a Thoughtseize. Great, right? Like, it's- hey, you could you could you could get a Dark Confidant and wait a turn and have it live and lose some life to draw a card. That's basically a Risen Reef, right? Oh, <laughs> you but- got your own your own version. But do, oh, do you but, think yeah, Thoughtseize I'll, will come back? I think Thoughtseize is still... Is there a world where Thoughtseize is still good? I think so. Like, I don't think it's impossible. You've mentioned a couple times that, like, right now, we have a lot of, like, grindy mid-range decks and not a lot of pure combo decks. Uh, we, we have combo... We have decks that have things that feel like combos, but kind of play... Um, it can also play a fair game. If we ever get back to a world where you have a lot of pure combo decks that are relying on, you know, the one card, their Neo brand to do Grishel brand shenanigans or the past in flames to storm off. Then I think Thoughtseize would go back up in value, right? I don't know if Modern Elver go back to that place, but I, that's the kind of meta where I think I would be excited to have Thoughtseize again. I think we're done with that era of magic. <laughs> I think it's just like glass cannon decks are no longer like everyone has such cheap and plentiful interactions and, and things that look like counter spells, but are not counter spells so that you can actually interact that all the good decks will be able to grind you out. Uh, like, like creativity can just side out the combo and play a control deck and like stuff you into the ground. Uh, so stuff like that will happen. And therefore when you're running these cards, it's not effective. So I think, the time for glass cannon decks is gone and everyone will will be kind of like this you know if you if you if you go too hard on stopping my combo i'll beat you the fairway i think like most decks will be able to do that uh going forward yeah that makes sense all right i gotta i gotta ask you about one more and then we'll uh <laughs> we'll do a fish mail uh so 2018 there was a big conversation about jason mind sculptor Lots of people debating whether it should be unbanned, shouldn't be unbanned. People freaking out. The greatest planeswalker of all time before Oko came around a few laters. But this was a big thing. And a lot of people felt like we cannot unban Jace. Um, Jace came. <laughs> He's been in the format. And I was talking about this on Twitter uh, the, uh, a couple days ago, talking about Deathrite Shaman. And I said that Jace, like, basically is unplayed. And someone's like, no, 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 no. Uh, is it Murktide? Plays a copy in the sideboard or something. And I was like, that's my point exactly. This is supposed to be the greatest planeswalker of all time. And it's reduced to maybe is it Murktide will play a one of copy in the sideboard. What happened to Jace? Like, how how did Jace, the greatest planeswalker of all time, end up being fringe? Like, it's not that it sees zero play. Sometimes a one of shows up in a control deck or in the sideboard of a of a deck. But why isn't why isn't it a staple? Why isn't it good anymore, Richard? I was in that camp. I thought with the unbanning of Jace, you would push out all mid range decks, and yeah. uh, you know that that did happen, but not because of Jace, but because of Omnath <laughs> or Oko, right? Like they're. Yeah. It's just there. There is another four mana threat that generates just as much value, uh, but or not just as much, but more than more than more value than Jace could ever hope to uh, do. So then it just naturally pushes out all other um, mid range decks, and currently that's that's Omnath. Like you don't and also need to uptick your planeswalker. You play a land, and you can play multiple yeah. lands a turn. So imagine if your Jace came the ability came with the ability to like uptick multiple times in a turn, right? And that's kind of Omnath, right? Yeah. 
And then also Karn, I think, too. Four mana Karn really changed things like that. That just like there's better options now for a lot of decks. You don't really need you don't really need Jace. <laughs> Jace is that, it only that, has three the loyalty. Bounce also doesn't do anything anymore. You're like okay, the bounce. I dash yeah. in Ragavan, or okay, I'll just reuse my elemental with yeah. you. Get another Rizzo yeah, sure. trigger. Like I, I don't know, right? Like that bounce was not as funny as bouncing a Tarmogoyf back in the day, right? Yeah, <laughs> I, it, it was good against yeah. It was, it's still good. It was Mertide. good against Tarmogoyf. Mertide, yeah. If you can resolve good, it. Good luck resolving your four drop, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh what a what a what a world so richard i think that covers most of our our big cards any other thoughts on any of this cards modern okay will any of these come back more of the rings i want to know one one card i want to know which seems like perfectly viable which is remand and we're getting white remand with Lord of the Rings. Is this is this what we need? We need to color shift remand. What what happened to remand? Why why do we no longer play remand? Uh, so hmm. I think it's even funny because it lines up pretty well against Cascade decks, right? You can remand the the Living End or the Rhinos, and they Mertide? like that's hilarious, right? It, you remand, yeah, they exile all the cards. So it even seems like it lines up very well with the meta. Is it just that there's better options now? Like, we got literal counterspell, so everyone plays that instead of remand. We got Archmage's Charm, so that occasionally shows up. Like, did counterspell just kill remand? Like, why bounce it back to the hand? Like, especially if you don't have Snapcasters to do your, like, uh, that was like the build your own Omnath or build your own grindy deck back in the day. Like, Snapcaster, remand, remand, Snapcaster, keep drawing those cards. I think it's as simple as that. Like, why remand if you can counterspell? You to draw a card. Because I think the idea <laughs> is you remand, draw a card, and then do your combo, right? So Splitter Twin would love this because they would then Splitter Twin or uh, Mono Blue Tron. They would then Mind Slaver lock you after doing this. But you it, can't do uh, that anymore, it, so there's no point. They just replay. Like, you just all took a turn off and just replayed your land, and then that was or replayed your card and like that was that so there's no point to it and the, and the format's gotten we talked about this earlier just like more efficient too and it, it, the cheaper the cards are the less impactful remand is you're like oh ragavan and you remand it and you're just like oh one more mana recast my ragavan <laughs> like oh, okay good job like so i feel like the fact that the format's just gotten more efficient in general is like made the impact of a card like Remand a lot less good. Like, the, the dream is your opponent spends four mana on their Huntmaster or they're a Johnny Vengeance or something, and you're like, haha, Remand it, draw a card, look at all the tempo I gained. But that kind of falls apart if if a lot of decks are, are uh, actually playing, you know, cheaper, cheaper threats. Plus, then you also have, like, Veil of Summers. You have Teferi, so I think Counterspells oh, in general have gotten have gotten a little bit riskier as a, as a plan, so... I guess it's probably just all those things. Counter spell existing, more counter hate existing, more efficient format. I do think the white remand has a chance though. Like I, I think being white really improves it. Cause I think I, I think that blue has so many other options in a white deck that doesn't have blue. Then you have the surprise value and you're not directly competing with counter spell uh with counter spell. So I think maybe the white remand will actually not that it'll go back to the glory days. Rem like tax, remand was another like who, who's gonna cast it? Attacks like tax actually even cast it. Yeah. Yeah, I guess tallying yourself. Like is Omnath is gonna play this or something? Like is our solitude uh, decks gonna play this? 
Maybe some of the white, like, Solitude or Mono White Human style decks. Actually, even then, Maybe like... Mono White Human, but then your Thalia is, like, <sighs> Yeah, Thalia kind of wrecks you. Maybe there's just a full-on Mono White, like, Mana Tithe into the new <laughs> Remand, into Lapse of Certainty. <laughs> yes, this, oh, is, <laughs> this is clearly... Top tier, top lottery. tier. Broke it. We broke it. <laughs> Soul Sisters well, any, is the answer, Sad Soul oh, Sisters. Oh, I would play that in Soul Sisters so quick. <laughs> anyway, everyone, I think that brings us to the end of our discussion of cards that used to be good in modern. I'd love to hear what y'all think, though, about these cards. Any of the cards we talked about, what's your, what's your thinking on why those cards don't show up? How is modern changed, in your opinion? Also, this isn't a conclusive list. I'm sure you can come up with some other good options. So what cards did you used to love in modern and play all the time in modern that you just really can't play competitively anymore? Let us uh, let us know about that in the comments as well. Richard, um, do we have time for a fish mail? Can we sneak in one? Where are we, where are we at? Right. Uh, a quick one. If you have questions, send them to at goldfish with the hashtag mbgfishmail. We'll get to your questions on air. Uh, Kylie O'Veters. With everything going on lately, is there any non-Twitter social media that Goldfish is active on? I'd like to keep following after the inevitable collapse. Seth, are you Ooh. any? Are you on any non-Twitter social platforms? I I have an Instagram, but it is not very active. I I created it, but I haven't really done much with it. I've seen a bunch of people suggest Mastodon, and there's like a ton of like Twitter replacements that are trying to do the same thing. Uh, I think I snagged a couple of random accounts with my username just in case they ever became a thing, but I, I don't use any of those actively either. What about goldfish? Yeah. The, the, the problem. So we, we we have like TikTok accounts and Instagram accounts and things like that, but our, our main, I guess, like texting <laughs> social media would be Twitter. It's just Twitter's not actually dead. Like maybe, maybe it's dying, but it's still like way more alive than all the other platforms. So there's like yeah. no point on going over there until everyone else goes over there and everyone else is doing the same thing. So no one is going there. <laughs> so like Twitter Basically. actually needs to fall over and then everyone will move and then that's when we'll move. But the problem is we're supposed to be there to reach everyone, to reach all our fans and whatnot. And if everyone is on Twitter and not on insert new Twitter killer, uh, it doesn't. It doesn't help. Uh, I, I will say that you know our new overlord has started. Uh, our our Twitter account got like banned over the weekend. <laughs> they they what? finally switched. Uh, so you, you know how they had that whole thing where you got to pay for tweets and stuff now. Oh uh, yeah. They they finally started enforcing it. They they started they they actually banned our account temporarily. Uh, but. Uh, we got Wait. that back, I think, maybe. Oh. I think it's working. <laughs> uh, but, you know, they are starting to do the things that they were saying they were going to do. So we'll see if people actually migrate off of Twitter. But currently, that's where everyone is. Uh, I, I saw, yeah. like, some, uh, like, NPR and stuff were, like, getting off Twitter. So maybe maybe, maybe it'll actually change. Does something, yeah. But really, it's like everyone's just waiting for everyone else. And if someone does something, then everyone else goes. But until then... Uh, that's that's where we are. Yeah, uh, I've looked at a couple of replacements, and there's like tens of people on there, so there's just not an not enough to really make the switch worth it. This happens all the time. Remember when Twitch? You're like, ah, oh, Twitch sucks. Rawr, let's let's go to Mixer or something. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> like random, but like okay, but everyone has to go. Otherwise, it doesn't work, right? Or like, oh, Reddit. Reddit is terrible now. Like, let's go somewhere else. And yeah, uh, it usually doesn't happen, but sometimes it does. Remember, remember, dig any boomers out there? Remember the oh. The yeah. old Reddit 
before Reddit was a thing, it was Dig, right? That everyone went to <laughs> or, and like yeah. slash MySpace. dot or whatever. Like there, there's, oh yeah, MySpace. Yeah. So it does happen <laughs> once in a while. Um, so yeah, if we go anywhere, uh, you'll t- follow our Twitter. We'll let you we'll know. Let you know on our Twitter. We'll if let- we're going anywhere. <laughs> Uh, so thank you so, for your question if you have any future questions send it at mtg goldfish with the hashtag mtg fish mail and we'll get to your questions on air and i believe that brings us to the end of episode 429 of the mtg goldfish podcast so richard thanks for hanging out thanks everyone for listening thanks to card conduit for supporting the show and we will be back next week to talk about our first impressions a march of the machines and whatever else goes on in the world of magic so until then have a lovely week everyone and this is the crew signing out 